We talk about Tesla production woes, the announcement of a 2020 Ford Focus, our new BMW X2 here at the track, and a bunch of viewer questions, this week on Talking Cars. Welcome to Talking Cars. I'm Jennifer Stockberger. I'm John Linkove. And I'm Ryan Pudlikowski. So we have a lot to get to today, including a number of videos from you guys, which we really appreciate. So we'll jump right in. The first is news of the week. Probably the biggest thing, again, Tesla-related, no mm. surprise, <laughs> is that Tesla has actually put a pause on production of the Model 3. And Luckily, we got ours. Right, we got ours. Um, but they've struggled with production on the Model 3. As, it, as it's been coming out, this really stops it. And, uh, you want to tell a little bit about it, John? Yeah, what they've ended up having are, are just problems with, with componentry. They, there's reports that they've actually had to send some out to other, uh, other manufacturers, not manufacturers of cars, but to, uh, to third parties to have them fix some of that. Mm -hmm. um, he actually did a very big interview with Gail King from CBS yep. and Watch talked that. about their extended production hell and how he's sleeping at, at <laughs> work. And, and the production <laughs> hell is there, his he quote. He looked tired in the video. He did, oh, he really looked pretty did. tired. He yeah. didn't look nearly yeah, he as happy be. as when he was back in the Iron Man movie. Right. <laughs> um, and I think he would like to have some Tony Stark helping him right yes, now exactly. to, to get it going. Um, but one of the big things he said is that, uh, you know, they were, they were too much automation going on. You know, that humans are kind of underrated, I think. Right, and I think that was the part that I took away. And they're really good at certain things. Yeah. And it kind of parallels what we've been saying about the driving, the automation in driving or right, autonomous right, right. vehicles. That, right. yes, computers can learn, but there's certain things that humans are really good at, and it's really good to see him giving credit Right, to right. that aspect, too, right. in his production and potentially in right. his cars. This is, he said almost a similar thing about the Model X in 2016. <laughs> At the annual shareholder yeah. meeting, he said something like, you know, I have to you know, uh, fault myself for some hubris for putting too much technology all at once into a product. Yeah. Right. So if the Model X had too much technology at first and then they built this, why did they put they so much? They didn't learn much? their lesson. Yeah. Right. Are we going to see what the next one right. is going to the same excuse? Yeah. Building a car is hard. Yeah. It, whole, ooh, no manufacturer will say it's easy. And to that point, we're, this is we're cutting edge technology. This is we're pushing right. the envelope here, and this is something we should take our time with because it's dangerous. I mean, exactly. bad things can happen here. So exactly, uh, and I think slow down. That. That's the point. Stage things, slow down. Yeah, and and perhaps. It'll go better. Yes. Right. So we'll see how that pans out. We also had announcement from Ford mm. that they are going to launch a 2020 Ford Focus. <laughs> it's been a long time. And this ties in. We had a couple questions about the new Focus. So that was good. It kind of ties in in a couple ways. Um, the Ford Focus, it's always been a car we liked, but mm -hmm. it's had its struggles. Yeah, it has had uh, struggles, particularly with the transmission. Right. Um, the They came out with a... With, um, a sequential, a dual-clutch automatic mm -hmm. transmission, and, and basically it, it keeps one gear working and the other one's ready so that the shifts are quicker depending on how the car is being driven. So but that it didn't really yeah. turn out that way. Well, what <laughs> happened was it just turned out to be problematic from the get-go. Right. And, and in the Ford Focus, as well as the small Ford Fiesta, mm -hmm. we saw huge reliability problems. Right. And we, I actually went and asked our uh, one of our, our new data analysts um, if he could run some numbers for me. And what he came back yeah. with is said that looking at the automatic Focus, yep versus focuses that have manual transmission, the automatic has huge problem rates for transmission. Right. 
everything else outside of transmission, both cars are really reliable. All right. the other factors are, yes. are really low yeah. problem rates. Yeah. It's just that transmission. So the car really is built pretty well, but they've never been able to get that transmission right since right. the yeah. launch. And it was more than a software um, fix because right. it was mechanical. It, right, and they couldn't issues. fix it was my right. impression. Yeah. I have friends right. that, that liked the, it was 2012, they bought the redesign, last redesign. They liked the car so much, yeah. they bought two. <laughs> yeah, and they both—they were just like, "You've got to be kidding!" It was such a nightmare. One's in the they shop had, while the other one. Oh, it was <laughs> yeah, terrible. They and they kept it. coming to me it, and saying, "I'm like, it's not just you." I mean, I don't know what you say. It's um, a fun little. They car. actually got an attorney involved and got—I I, can't—I don't know if it was Ford directly or the dealership, but they actually got them to take one back. Oh, and a lemon law. Yeah, oh. Kind of a lemon law, but they took one back and got a right. different car. And they, unfortunately, it tarnished them a little bit against Ford. Yeah. Which brings me to point. They loved driving that car. Oh, yeah. And I think we would say we loved I'm, driving I'm, that I am so excited for this because yeah. I, I've always been a Focus fan. The Focus replaced the Escort in like the late 90s. <laughs> and it was a rally car. And my favorite rally driver was Colin McRae. And he, he was wildly one. successful with this car. Ah. And um, <laughs> believe it or not, at one point I owned one of these cars. No, uh, no way. <laughs> way. Way, <laughs> A friend of mine and I um, bought, it was a like a 2003 Focus ZX3 uh, hatchback manual. Oh man. And we well, were so going yeah. to do um, some autocrossing uh, motorsport stuff and ah, cool. maybe turn it into a rally car. It never came to full fruition, but um, we just, it was a fun little car. Yeah. Um, they had, back in those days, I had that really good Duratec uh, Ford motor in it. Mm -hmm. Super reliable. Manual, so it was pretty foolproof. Um, so much fun. I'm really looking forward to this new one because yeah. I think it's going to be fun to drive still. Um, and hopefully, the, the, new, the new automatic is going to be a normal torque converter, more conventional automatic, so it should be... Less problematic. I think, I think after this last experience, they have it figured out. Yeah. They yeah. will make sure they have it figured out. We used one as a tire car. We had a tire one as a tire car. When I first started working too. here, yeah. SVT. Yeah, the um, SVT. A little sporty cool one. Little car. Yeah. And that was manual, yes. if I remember. Yeah, super yeah. fun little car. Yeah. That was a great generation. Yeah. Those yeah. were great, right. fun cars. And then the, even the re more recent well, still the RSs yeah. and the STs and such are fun. Even yeah. The transmission overshadowed it, unfortunately. Right. So. It did. It did. It really it, hurt the reputation. It hurt the reputation yeah. of the brand. So speaking of the focus, um, we actually got a, a video message comment um, through our new iMessage at TalkingCars at iCloud.com. Send your comments. Send your videos. And this one's related exactly to this topic of the focus. So take a listen. Hello Consumer Reports, Chris here from Washington, and this is my 2016 Ford Focus SE hatch. Now, I love this vehicle, mainly because I got the manual, and that's because, you know, manuals are more fun, and, especially on this vehicle, way more reliable. How much more reliable is the manual in that car versus the automatic? So I went to your website, and I was looking at the reliability data, and I couldn't seem to find the reliability between the manual and the automatic transmissions. And so I'm wondering how you gather the score that you show. Is it a combination of both manual transmissions and automatic transmissions, or is it just automatic transmissions? Because that's what people normally go for. So very similar thoughts to what mm -hmm. you were saying in the manual. To answer the question specifically, you alluded to it. Yes, we get data on both the manual and the automatic. Mm -hmm. Right now, that data is combined in right. reliability ratings. But we are working toward being able to separate things like that. Exactly. We have to have enough data, but in the future, you should be able to discern out manuals from automatics and other data as well. So just kind of closing out the focus, like you said, different engine, different transmission, yep. little more room. So 2020 model year, 
We're expecting to see it next summer. Next summer, and next they're going to release yeah. uh, U.S. more U.S. specific information later this year. Okay. Because right. they, they, they showed they showed some wagons and hatches. Yeah, and I mean, said, we're probably I couldn't imagine us. There's going to be a three cylinder and a four cylinder. We're not sure what we're going to get. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. They're not haven't dialed it in 100. percent But we certainly will be testing it when it comes. Absolutely. For Ryan, I'm so excited. he can yes. get in it. Yeah. So. Other new vehicles are ones we have here. We actually have a new model, mm. the BMW X2 here at oh, the yes. Jack. Just got, so. <laughs> another um, Ryan vehicle. Another Ryan vehicle, oh. another vehicle Ryan likes. So um, a little bit about the X2, John. So it, it's part of BMW's way of, of coupifying almost the existing <laughs> model lineup. It's, it's the even number curse. Right. Oh. X6, X4, X2, you can't see out the back. It looks really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the X6 <laughs> to me looks like a hippopotamus. Yeah. You know, and the X4 <laughs> looks like it's baby one. You know, it's this huge thing and then these little little legs right, for the right, wheels right. and tires. Um, it, it, it's, it's got a lot of the chops that the X1 has, and mm -hmm. the X1 did fairly well in our testing. Um, right. This generation a lot better than the first generation. Mm -hmm. The first generation was a little odd. Um, Front-wheel drive based. because right, which is it, a little different. Right. It shares a platform with the Mini Cooper, mm -hmm. which is Mini is owned by BMW, um, as, as many of the enthusiasts know. You know, 228 horsepower, turbocharged four-cylinder engine, kind of standard fare for the category. Uh, you know, a lot of BMW-ness inside of there. You know, yeah. it's, you're, 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 you're seeing the round on the steering wheel. You're seeing the same gauges. Um, horrible visibility to the rear. I mean, yeah, just tight. horrible yeah. visibility. And it's not like the X1 was stellar. This is just... I think it's about this big of a window oh, in the with, back. With head restraints With head restraints that flip and down. And no people there. Well, and they right. flip down, and they still kind of block it. Yeah, um, the corners are... I found a little stiff on, on some yep. secondary roads, a little overly stiff even for a BMW. It felt yeah. like it had like 22-inch wheels driving yeah. around. It's fun. They tried to... Sport, make it make the X1 sportier, and it's, it's in appearance. In, yeah, yeah, but it also in yeah. the ride, it's, yeah. it's stiff, and um, I don't hate it as much as the X1. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's, it's to your point. They did a better job with the X2 drivetrain. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's fun. It's fun to drive, but it's 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 tiny, and like I really yeah. don't. I don't know why you would buy that over the X3. The X3 has more room. It's just as fun to drive. I think. Um, what I did like was the seat's better than the X1, and it has a, does have a conventional automatic shifter in it, which was kind yeah. of mind-boggling to me right. because they've gotten away from that. Right. And the electric um, shifter with that returns to the center for everything. Yeah, the, the, right. the rocker right. thing. Right. Um, that goes forward to go back. But ours is, ours is like $45,000. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Right. That's what I see. Yeah. Is it will be appealing to people who want to be in a BMW. Yeah. But, you know, here, here's the one thing. It, like your thought about the X3, mm -hmm. you know, is, is, a, is a good version, you know. Right. You're getting into X3 money with the, with this right. vehicle, and it, everyone who goes down market doesn't always do it successfully. Right. You know, you you dilute the mm -hmm. brand. You know, mm -hmm. it's got the roundel on it, the the you know the propeller looking logo. Yeah. But is it really worthy of it? Right. You know, and and what are you diluting? Like I said, to to bring in more people. You yeah. know, on BMW shown they can slap that thing on anything, and there's yeah. the mountain bikes. They're selling it. You know, bicycles, right. luggage. Right. <sighs> They're all doing, hard. all the manufacturers seem to be making these little SUVs. Um, you know, the sedan is kind of fading away. Right. And people want SUVs, all-wheel drive, whatever. Um, I guess they'll sell it, but. And that would be my point. Whether it's yeah. BMW or anybody else, the appeal of the, S, the small SUV, I completely get. Yeah. Access, visibility, enough cargo space. Right. By making this X2, they took all that away they from take, the X1. They, took, that's, they take away the, the values of these it's yeah. lower, so you yeah. have to kind of fall in a little yeah. bit instead yeah. of sliding in. Right. The visibility you mentioned is horrendous. Mm -hmm. I would never want to put a kid back there because I can't see anything. Yep. And when they shortened it, they didn't steal from the 
the legroom, which is good, they stole from the cargo right. space. Yeah. Right. So all of the reasons, a small SUV, BMW, you know, Lexus, whoever it is, it would appeal to me, this kind of takes that away. It, it's all, it, it, it mimics, these the, the subcompact luxury ones kind of mimic the same way of the affordable subcompacts. Right. Mm -hmm. Skip the Honda HRV, move up to a CRV. Right. If, if you can right. float the difference, yep. I totally understand the ability to buy. Yep. You know, but move up to the next one, you get a lot more value, a lot more space. It's yeah. not that much more money, the same type of thing. I think Audi does the Q3 better than the other ones, mm -hmm. the GLA, the Mercedes-Benz GLA is a mess right. um, yeah. with that same problem. <laughs> right. And even that one, you're kind of like, eh, Q5 is such right. a better vehicle. So much yeah. better. Mm -hmm. Good I looking, think. maybe not so Yeah, it's, it's eye-catching. We'll People see. are going to like it. It's, yeah. it's You'll see a bunch of them on, yeah. off of lease in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have some other viewer questions in video. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a question that came through our iMessage, so we appreciate it. My question is about reliability ratings. For luxury premium brands like BMW, believe it or not, Mercedes, the buyers are affluent and may not put their time where there is no return. So in your survey, the majority of reviews will be negative, likely be negative. Do you have a formula where you consider the amount of vehicles sold by model versus your survey results? So hopefully we're understanding the question correctly. Mm -hmm. um, what I take is that the prediction from this viewer is that for luxury brands, they're only gonna write in if their experience is negative. Mm -hmm. So. Again, we had our new statistician, Steve, do a little digging. And the truth is, in our survey, not saying results, survey results everywhere, it's actually quite the opposite. For luxury brands, Audi, BMW, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, and Porsche, for the tens of thousands of reviews that we get on those models, mm -hmm. most of them, upwards of like 90%, are actually favorable. They right. love their cars, and they have little to no problems with them. Yeah. So it's actually quite the opposite. So maybe that's that's, that's a, a good thing. Yeah, they're, that's, they're telling us the good along with that. Right. That's bad. a great question because I always wondered that myself. You, yep. you wonder, if, do people go out of their way to write good things in a review? For us they do. and our survey, <laughs> they apparently do. Right. they do. Well, um, you know, th I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of talk online, you know, you only see someone who writes five stars for this or one star and it right. was, you know, and it's like, the extremes. we yeah. went there and had a great right. time mm -hmm. or, you know, they treated me poorly, but really people like participating in our annual questionnaire, mm -hmm. our annual auto survey, because they know, they know that their experience will Translate. be trans translated <laughs> out, will give buying yeah. advice. Right. And they also like seeing how it compares with their experience compares with other people. So mm -hmm. we get the full gamut. That's yeah. how we ha we're able to do average. Mm -hmm. eh, it performs like every other right. car, as well as having the extremes. Right. So it's 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 a unique feature, I think, of, of, of the Consumer Reports annual auto survey. Absolutely. And it's why that data for those brands right. drives that brand report card. Mm -hmm. The top five are luxury right. brands. Exactly. So it, it they stand out. So interesting question, and, and like you say, something yeah. you might have been inquiring right. about. So next we have a video question concerns empty nesters and a new car. Hi Consumer Reports, this is Michael from Toronto, Canada. My wife and I are recently empty nesters and we are looking to retire our 2006 Honda Odyssey. Uh, it's got over 200,000 miles on it. Uh, we're looking for something that would be capable of towing a 3,500 pound camping trailer. Seat five people because the kids may come home. Our budget is about thirty-five dollars to $38,000 us we're looking for something again that's going to be reliable like the honda and be able to put 200,000 plus miles on it latest and greatest safety features are a must and lastly our odyssey is 201 inches 
so something that could ideally fit in our garage would be a nice to have, but not a need to have. So any recommendations you have as to what we should be looking at and considering would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. So some, some pretty specific asks in that video. Mm -hmm. New car, thirty-five dollars to $38,000. Um, tows a 3,500 pound camper trailer, mm -hmm. seats five, latest safety features, and ultimately 201 inches or less to fit in their garage. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts there? They, yeah, they just spelt out a Toyota Highlander, whether oh. they know it or not. <laughs> um, so if you're gonna tow a 3,500 pound camper, right. you don't wanna be on the edge of, you don't want a car that tows 3,500 pounds. You want a car that can tow more than that. Right. Small, you that pretty much- That would be a pretty miserable experience, you think? Yeah, well, you're, and you're stressed. Is maxing out. Oh, you're maxing out the car, yeah. and it's a, a small SUVs. Most small SUVs, I think, are capped out of about 3,500 pounds. I think max. There's, but you're yeah, also, that's max on few of them. Right. I think, yeah. You're also towing with this little vehicle, right. wheelbase-wise, yeah, which isn't advantageous. Yep. So um, you need to step up, yeah, yeah into the an, another, um, you know, the next step up, which would be a Toyota Highlander. Um, I think would be great. That tows 5,000 pounds. It's yep. a seven-seater. It's yeah, got a third maybe row. Maybe more seating than you yeah, guys it's, need. Yeah, it's a little but, more but you're, you're gonna have a way nicer time towing with that than you yeah. are with anything smaller. And standard and, safety equipment. And, and they all talked the safety about stuff. their adult children perhaps being home, so maybe that would be a more comfortable yeah, car Yeah, if the well. seat flips down, it's still a, there's right, still, still decent room back room. there, right? Yeah, so. and standard safety features, yep. Toyota Safety Sense, so you right. might be right. Um, and 191 all, inches, so it fits in the garage. <laughs> au contraire. Just barely. Au contraire. I uh -oh. say au contraire. Uh -huh. the Kia Sorento okay. is a good option. Yep. All-wheel drive. Yep. You can get a five-passenger version. Yep. So you don't need to have a, the, the weight of the flip seat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the things you're talking about with, you know, you don't want to hit the, the, the tow limit. You also want to be careful of the cargo capacity because right. with a lot of these, you put four people in the car, no, the trailer, and some right, bags. You're yep. right up at the cargo capacity of the vehicle. So yep. whatever weight you can, you can get rid of. Fits in the garage. I think it's 187 or 186 inches. Right. We actually inches. said it bridged between small SUVs and right. and midsize SUVs. Right. So yeah, yeah. you do have to up, you have it. to upgrade to get a forward collision warning and automatic right. emergency right. braking. Right. But it comes with blind spot warning and all new cars come with a rear camera. Right. So yeah. possibility. Probably maybe in yeah. the price Worth range too. Looking into. Mm -hmm. A little bit yeah. closer. Yeah. The only other thought I had was perhaps something like a Honda Ridgeline. You've you've been happy with your yeah. Honda. Maybe a Ridgeline. Mm -hmm. Again, you get the 5,000 pounds towing. Mm -hmm. You get seating for five. I don't know if you need an open bed for anything. It has a little trunk. But it has its it trunk. Does, yeah, and it's nice, um, nice to drive. That's, yeah, yeah, it might be because you have to go to the highest trim with Honda to get yeah, the safety get, features. Uh, uh, Honda, sorry, I think yeah. it's pushing more like $41,000. But mm -hmm. I wanted to throw it out there as a possible no, thought. So, yeah. yeah. There's a couple. Just avoid the small SUV. Yeah, yeah I think avoid the compact. Move up to the midsize. Right. Most of them don't tow 3,500, but to your point, yeah. if you get there, you might not have a very good no, you don't, experience. Yeah. So, You're gonna want more than that. Yeah. We have an, another another video. So we, we've got inundated with videos this week. We love it, love it, love it. So take a listen. Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Daniel. What do you think about paddle shifters on cars? A lot of new cars these days I see have paddle shifters on them. Anything from a Corvette to even a Honda Odyssey has them now. When you buy a car for Consumer Reports and it comes with paddle shifters, do you drive them in the manual mode? Do you think it adds anything to the driving experience? Um, personally, I drive my dad's 2010 Subaru Outback that has paddle shifters on it, and I think it's the only way to drive it, because otherwise you hear from the CVT, and that's just, that's just not fun. Okay, so paddle shifters. I'm going to defer, because I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you, I rarely use them. 
So for you drivers, more drivers or fast drivers, paddle shifters. Um, they're everywhere and they don't <laughs> need to be everywhere. Huh? Um, I mean, you just said you rarely use them. When's the last time you used the paddle shifts in a Honda Odyssey? I mean, let's be real. <laughs> Let's Do be real. Have it? Be honest. Uh, Do they even have them? Can so... I see them back there? <laughs> I, I look at it this way. If it's a real sporty car, like a, a, a Corvette or a Porsche 911, and it has a dual clutch uh, gearbox, a, um, an automatic that shifts uh, you know, automatically. Like manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manually. Um, now that should have paddles. Huh. You yeah. know, this, this all came from Ferraris. They always had paddle shifts. Everybody <laughs> thought that was cool. Now we have Honda uh, Odysseys with paddle shifts. Um, is there, I mean, maybe they, maybe they're doing that because they, when you're hauling a lot of stuff, you might, maybe you want to change gears. They don't have the low range mm -hmm. like they used to have. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Starting just, up in snow, you could yeah, theoretically start it in second gear, yeah, but who knows even if the transmission's doing, doing that. I know. I bump it with my knee more often and knock it out of gear or downshift it. It'll, you know, it's just. You know, you know, it's, what's funny is that some cars, even if you put them in a sport mode. Right. Y you, you still don't always get the paddle shift. Like you can shift it a couple times mm -hmm. and use it. Oh, okay. You know, I'm in sporty mode. And then it goes back to D, drive, normal right. drive mode. So you're in sport, <laughs> but it, it's not even leaving purpose. it in manual mode. Right. Right. So, or you hit rev limiter and it shifts anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Well, particularly, you know, track right. handling and stuff, it doesn't hold it in gear like someone who's driving a true manual would know. Right. I want to keep it in gear in this turn so I can upshift coming out of it. Right. It's, the, and they're, his, they're gimmicks maybe for snow well, and wet. Right. In his case, he, he's talking about a CVT transmission, yeah. and it's, he's, well, he's mimicking gears, which is, I can understand that. That's maybe where I would use it. He's trying to hide the He's CV trying to hide the CVT, <laughs> right. right. I can see them you know, yeah. using the paddles to do that, but um, on a regular, like a Honda Odyssey, like why, why I'm, I'm not shifting out of that. I'm, right. It's a regular transmission, is slow anyway, so when you, you click it, it takes a second. It's just... So it's unless you've got a sporty car, or you're trying to hide some horrible aspect of the transmission. Of the transmission, right, right. right. yeah. For and most it, cars, it sounds like it's more a gimmick than, than really useful. It's, it's marketing. So. Marketing genius. Yeah, it looks cool. everyone needs a paddle shifter. It looks cool when you see these paddles behind, these big wings behind the steering wheel with a oh, plus yeah. and minus on them. It, it looks yeah. cool. It does. Yeah. So. And it's Ferrari-like. It's Ferrari-like. Ferrari-like. So thanks for watching. We love your comments, questions, videos. Text them to talkingcars at iCloud.com. If you want more information on the cars we talked about today, check out the show notes below. And as always, thanks for watching.